Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Wow, good morning. Hey, thanks. I was going to start off with that. <laughs> it's been a while. Man, ain't it crazy how life changes? Life just changes before you know it, don't it? Seemed like my oldest was just, I can remember him coming out of the womb and sitting there groaning like an old man. <laughs> he just, that's all he did. And now he's, you know, here and during worship, he asked me a question like, did mom bring the basketball for after church? <laughs> you know, and me being a worship guy, I'm thinking, son, that's... When I taught you during worship where our minds should be. But anyways, um, things change a lot. Uh, my name's Patrick Clevenger. I'm a small group leader here. Uh, I think I've been at this church now for about 19 years. So uh, it's been good. It's been a process. Um, but you get older. Growing old has been tough for me. I used to think when I was in my 20s, turning 30, I looked forward to it. I was becoming more mature. Then when I was in my 30s, I thought becoming 40, wow, I'm just getting really good, you know what I mean? And then I've realized it doesn't necessarily get really good, especially for a guy like me that works physical work, and uh, it hurts. My, You know, things change so much. I have this, like, running joke at home. You know you're old when, so at work, I'll wear a a uh, short sleeve button-up shirt over top of a colored T-shirt sometimes, and I've started putting a pen in my pocket right here, or a little note folded up in my pocket. I'm thinking, oh, I didn't do that 10 years ago. That was a sign of growing old. I never had slippers <laughs> until in my 40s. I'm not lying. Now, some of you may grow up in a culture, you know, where your dad smoked a pipe and sat in a maroon leather chair and, you know, read words of wisdom and he had the smoking jacket and you all wore slippers. But in my house, we were so poor. I mean, you know, you couldn't afford to wear your socks because you had to save them for something you really needed them for. Uh, but uh, so I never wore slippers till my 40s. I never wore glasses till I was 45. And I can remember getting in the car to head to work in the morning, first thing you do is, oh, see, first thing you do is pull this thing out, and I'd go, and I'd go. <laughs> and I never talked to anybody about it, and it never hit me. You like my rose gold phone? That's one of the advantages of growing older. You really could care less about your self-image. <laughs> so I just take hand-me-downs from the wife, you know what I mean? It's cheaper. I don't need this great big thing that looks like a book in my pocket or hanging off my thing here. I, I don't really need that. So growing older is great in ways, but it's tough. But back to the thing, I would go like this, and I didn't talk to anybody about for a long time. I just, I really, it took me months to understand why am I even doing this. And then I started getting real bad headaches. And Leah says, well, you're pulling your phone, you're probably... People would laugh at me, you know, and it, it's like this, too. Here, here's the other thing about growing old. I used to watch guys, you know, construction work, watch guys, uh, let's just say we're working on something here. I've got a tool here, and they would go. 
I was like, what's wrong with these guys? Why do they look to the heavens when they're working on something? I didn't get it. It didn't register. But once I started wearing glasses, and these are progressives, you know, so I am a progressive. You know, they've got it for up close. They've got it for me to Samuel, and then they've got it up here for me to the Dickersons back there. You know what I mean? All three. Not trifocals. That's like an old word, bifocals. We don't, it's called progressives. You know, no lines. They're, they're good from here to eternity. So <laughs> growing old has been tough on me. Tough. Especially when you're 38 and you start to have kids, or what, 36. See, it's, growing old is tough. I'm even a, I'm even a basic math quiz, uh, whiz. I love basic math. Um, but especially when you wait till you're 36 to have kids, you know, and you work. I work in Dayton, and I lay block all day, and I come home, and I don't even put my car in park. That two, at least two of the boys run up. Come on, Dad, you want to play basketball? You want to play baseball? How about throw some football? I'm like, if you knew what this elbow felt like in these hands, I never dreamed I would suffer with arthritis. Never dreamed it, but now I have it so bad at times I just sit like this. And cold? You get old, you get cold. Is that just the way it is? I used to always wonder why do people... All I heard when I was young is, I'm moving to Florida. Why do, they, I think, why do these people go to Florida in the wintertime and back? What's wrong? Because uh, when I was younger, my favorite time of year was wintertime. And I'm going to be very honest with you. I wasn't holiness then. You know, I was saved holiness in 91 at 22 years old. Meaning saved in a Pentecostal holiness church. But growing up as a kid, I had a holiness mentality. Yeah, I was a young man that noticed a figure of a girl in a bathing suit or something, but I very much more admired or dreamed about the lady covered up in ski clothes that I couldn't tell what was underneath. So I loved wintertime. I thought people dress more decent because people shouldn't dress so scantily. I really thought that, and even before I was in Christ. I look back now that I'm old, and I wondered why I was certain ways, but I, want, I look back and I see how God was fashioning me, I'm going somewhere with this, was fashioning me for certain things. I was asked the other day by an ABC reporter, how did I get into foster and adoption? How did I get into doing this, uh, what she said, you call it a calling? How did you get into that? I said, I was just made for it. Not having a father and coming from broken family that was messy helped. But God fashioned me for it. God has fashioned you to be a blessing to not only right here first. Well, your family first. Right here second. And the world for third. This is just your practice Station. This is just where we come to practice being good Christians. And then we go out there where it's vicious. But God fashioned and made me to the fact that even though I, nothing to my mom, mom, don't take any of this wrong. She came today from Xenia where I grew up to hear me. I didn't want her to, but she did. Uh, <laughs> it's just pressure. Under pressure. Raining down on me. Man, the 80s music was nothing like it. But God fashioned me to be that way because I can look at my past. I can look at broken 
family that I grew up in, no men leading, women looking wrong directions, looking for love in all the wrong places. If I'm not careful, I could think about all the things I suffered or was shouldn't have had to as a young boy, but me and my mom already worked that out. That door's closed. That door's behind us. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So God has made me to... And I'd always, even though I, I grew up without a father, but I grew up close to an orphanage where kids had neither father nor mother. And I would watch groups of kids walk to town weekly, and they huddled together like a team. And my heart broke for them. And at the time, I wondered why. I, I did, even though I never knew them, I just saw them, I felt like them because I grew up without a father. And that always, man... And you talk about growing old. I'm glad that I'm old now and I can look back and quit using I grew up without a dad as a crutch. So today I hope some of you have these little crutches that you lean on. Oh, pet me because my daddy wasn't home. Oh, pet me because I was abused. Oh, pet me because, hey, I can appreciate that. I had did a lot of things that no one here but me and someone else know that knew that I had ever done, but it still hurts. Not, not telling you your deals don't hurt. I listened to a song the other day by NF. Just grown to love the guy as much as I thought I couldn't stand him at first because I thought I grew up past the rap scenario. But the song was called, How Could You Leave Us? And the guy cried out in between rapping, screaming at his mother who had loved pills more than she loved him. And it took her very early in life and he just would scream crying in his music. And it's for real. It's not just, how could you leave us? And driving home from Dayton, all I thought of was my dad. And I thought, how could... You leave us. So I'm not, I'm not here to put down the fact that we, have, many of us have suffered tough things. But I want to tell you this. Two years ago, I stood in my driveway on Oneida with my boys crying. Leah asked me what was wrong. I said, why I hate it that my dad could not be here for times like this. One, I was working on something and I had heard that my dad was very mechanical, much like my younger brother here. Philip must have got his trait. And I just stood in the driveway and cried. I thought, if my dad was here, I could make a phone call. He could talk me through it. Or he could come over. He could watch his three grandsons play. So, I said that to say this. We can look at that. I could grovel in that. But you know what? In Christ, I am a new creation. On July 14, 1991, God miraculously took me out of a pit of addiction. And in just a, 30 minutes of prayer and praying around an altar with people, God delivered me from that, set me on a new path. And my old life was gone. My new life has begun.
And do you know now, when I keep saying God has fashioned me for this, He's made for me with this, that's how I can reach out and care for children that are not mine. Because I don't sit and whine and grovel about my dad being gone. No other men in my family stepping up to be the men they should be to raise young men like me and my brother. It's because now I realize I have the blessed life. I live in it. I walk in it. I'm not telling you it's easy, and I'm not telling you I'm always the best at it. I'm as cynical as many that I work around at times. But by golly, when I look at my mom sitting here who got saved just a few years before I did, we drank together. I went to high school, hung over a couple times a week together. I look at my brother who grew up just like I did. No one, no male figure to go watch your ball games. But I look at him. I can remember going to Bible college, coming home and staying on weekends with him and his new that he just was freshly married and praying for him that God would save him. Didn't think God would because I thought Philip was sufficient in himself. He didn't need God, but it did not take long for God to sink that hook. You've heard me talk about that in Philip's jaw. I look at my sister who had mentally thought she had it together all her life and so-called walked with Christ for years, but some of us wondered. Now she's in a... I listen to their message every week. Plano, Texas. Anglican church. She's, and she didn't want to be in a mega church, meaning very large. She wound up in a mega Anglican church where they wear robes. It's very, some things are very uh, much done like Catholic. But I listen to their message every week, and I look at that, and it's just wonderful. And she calls me once a week. And she goes on and on about what God's doing in her life and how God's fashioning her. And she's taking a vocation workshop. So I've said all that to say this. I have lived a blessed life. But it took, in my youth, it took this. It took an uncle who was a pastor and his wife who very much loved me would come visit me on Saturday mornings when I was sick and hung over. My uncle would say, Patrick, he knew I could get really mad. Patrick, uh, this was your Aunt Debbie's idea. They may have to wake me up, or they may have to wait on me to come to, for many of you who were addicts or alcoholics would know what that means, to come to to get to talk to me. This was your Aunt Debbie's idea now. And she would just softly speak to me, you've been on my heart, we love you, can we pray with you? But I've been blessed to be a blessing. Even when I was a young boy, hungover, mom attending church, another, me and my brother helped roof their church as young guys. My brother was a teenager, and we were young. And met an old guy there at the church, Johnny Clayhorn, I'll never forget, never forget. He lived in another city, but one Saturday morning, here I am coming to, waking up. Mom's waking me up. Hey, get up. You remember? Johnny's here to see you. I said, Johnny, who? <laughs> Kind of scared to wonder who Johnny was after last night. Johnny Clayhorn. I'm thinking, what is that old guy from church? I don't even, why is he coming here? Because he had been blessed. He wanted to be a blessing to the world. 
meaning those on the outside of church. And he'd come see me. Hey, just in the area, young man, I wanted to see you. I want to see how you're doing. I want to tell you I love you. I want to pray for you. Can I pray for you before I leave? He just, here's a drunk, hungover young kid just bawling, crying. Another time, another guy, Hoyt Campbell. Never forget Hoyt Campbell. These were men on mission. Oh, I could tell you a thousand stories of, of bad things that happened with, bad, with men that led me down wrong paths and showed me the wrong things. Hoyt Campbell called me up and said, Hey, we're going deer hunting Saturday down at Scioto Trails in Chillicothe. I was living in Xenia then, young guy. I want to take you. I'm thinking, oh gosh, it's in church guys again. But I like to deer hunt. I love to kill something, man. And I shoot pretty good. I'd like to show them how I can do it, you know. So Saturday morning, they picked me up about 3, and we head to Chillicothe. Lo and behold, who would ever thought I would have wound up, my first home I would own was in Massaville, and then I deer hunted several years before that, right there at Soda Trails, and they took me there. I said, I'll just ride in the back. Just let me ride in the back. It's cold, but he had one of them toppers on the back, you know, with the lid, not insulator or nothing. I thought, man, because I know I'm going to reek of smell, and I've got hot pipes for many of you that's had hot pipes. And really, I can't. I can't even function that early. Let me ride in the back, Ho. Ho said, no, you get on up front. Them young boys is going to ride in the back. I'm like, oh, gosh, I know he's going to talk to me about church. Something. He's going to do something. Very little about church. I just knew that a man cared. He cared deeply about the soul of a young man that was on his way to hell. Men, I want to ask you something. When's the last time you've really had a burden? You've really wanted to go put aside your deal, your schedule, your daily routine, because it works real easy. To say, I've got this thing that just kills me for this guy that I know that doesn't know Jesus. Today I'm supposed to talk to you about being blessing for living. That we've been blessed to be a blessing. If you're sitting here today, you've been a blessing. I guarantee you everyone in here makes over a certain amount a year, which is 98, you, you're above 98% of the most people in the, in the world. That, I read some things the other day. If you make ten, $10 a day is where 98% of something, and I'm thinking, my gosh, I got caught up in a while back thinking I didn't get paid enough. Hmm. Growing old's tough. But with the right perspective, growing old in Christ is great. It's great. Growing old's tough because we can be traditional. How many of you can fall into that? Like passing the plate? I'm going tell to tell the truth. Put nothing in that plate for years. My wife handles the money. I said, babe, when we get married, I just want to hand you the check. You give me an allowance. And big decisions we'll decide together on. Will you take care of the bills? I'll work. I'll make the majority of the money. You do what you want work-wise, but just take care of the bills. I don't want to see them. I don't want, want to do that. So since they've done this online giving, and she's heard me ask her. I don't know. She probably thinks I'm getting old and can't remember. I've asked her a few times in the past year, 
Are we still doing giving? Don't I ask you. Are you still tithing? Because I have no idea. <laughs> None. She goes, yeah, yeah, I do it online. Because I, I, I'll tell you, when that paper plate passes by me and I see nobody in my family putting something in there, I'm like, ugh. I know what the Bible says. I know it says when you give, to give in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand does. I've read enough of the Bible to know, but I've also read enough of the Bible to know this. There's good men sitting around me, and if my kinds looks over my shoulder every Sunday and sees that I'm not putting something in that plate, my kinds knows he has the entrance into my life to say, how you doing financially, son? How's the church doing through you financially, son? Do I live like that, Mike? Do I? You trust me enough? Yeah. Do I live like that, Aaron? Yeah. In every area. I try to be because, yes, we're called, we are part of the body. And everybody does its part. We're part of the family of God, I know. You've got family members you're really afraid to tell the truth of, too, too, don't you? You just dread holiday. Well, in our family, where I grew up, we're not afraid. We're not. Absolutely not. Even if it leads to somebody having to get between a couple of us. Because we're so adamant about what we believe, we believe it. And you may have to get between us amongst 30 people in a home where you can't find a seat on Christmas. Is that the truth, babe? <laughs> and my wife's scared and she runs out and locks herself in the car. <laughs> when, she first, when we first got married. I know we're a family of God, but family members should not be afraid to tell family members the truth. Look, one thing Jesus said to his disciples, he said, That what I have seen my father do, I've told you. I've shared it with you. In my maroon Bible up here, I haven't even got to my notes yet, I'm sorry. In my maroon Bible up here, I've made a note. Friends don't leave friends in the dark. I'm here to tell you something today. Make sure you question yourself when you say, I'm blessed. A mortgage is not a blessing. One time we had a car payment, $385. That's not a blessing unless you're so wealthy, your money's making better than what interest you're paying on your loan payment. That's a weight. Your credit card payments are not a blessing. The fact whether you have to dress a certain way, live a certain way, have certain furniture, whatever it is that causes you to be in debt, that's not a blessing. The Bible will tell you it's not. It says you are indebted to someone else. You are a slave to the lender. But there's also scripture that says this about, let me tell you about this. How would you like God to be, owe oh, you something? Do you think it's possible? Do you? I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I'm here to tell you. If you get things right, you'll live a prosperous life. Whether you have to suffer or not. I've made a note in here that says, I've learned a lot of things through hardship. Hardship. Five and a half years on a red Pontiac, 385, I'll never forget, 385. I thought, when is this going to be over? <laughs> and we probably didn't make $40,000 a year combined, but we had a red Pontiac Grand Prix that was shot. Whew. Now I got a paid-for cash Prius that's rusted on the bottom that gets 54 miles a gallon. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. Proverbs 19.17 says this. 
what I planned on doing today is just making a bunch of scriptures and giving to you. Proverbs 19.17 says this, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. One commentary note I read, the guy says, God is indebted to you. I don't necessarily think means God owes us something, but I think I know this about God. Something happened. It's like grabbing the hem of the garment of Jesus. When you in your mind know that God's called you to, to put it all on the table, whatever it is, and we'll talk about money and your time because that's the two greatest things God wants to get a hold of. When you put it all on the table, the rose-colored iPhone, the billfold, and what cash I may have, you say, here it is, God. In 19, July 14, 1991, I had a duffel bag and a blanket that had my name cro- sewed on it. And it said Rosetta Teague, 1990, 1989 or something, when she made it, 1990, is all I had before I came to Christ. And, if you want, and now I have, I made a note in here that said this, now I have need of nothing. Nothing. I've got some things that I thought that I wanted at my home that I need to get rid of because they're collecting rust. They will not wind up in the casket for me for me to take it on with me to the next place to lay up treasures there. He don't want that stuff there. You are blessed to be a blessing. So let me get into some scriptures here. Romans 12. Maybe you want to pull a pen out and write some of these. I want you to think today that I'm like your brother and I'm calling you back into remembrance. One guy says, trying to get you dialed in, tuned up. Hebrews 2 says that we don't drift. That we've heard a message that was good enough to be delivered by the angels. It's good enough for, for a proof. It's good enough to help us live right. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. God says, lay it all on the table. Every bit of it. But it's funny, after, night, after I got saved on July 14th, I didn't have anything. I didn't even have a... At that time, we would have called it wearing something decent to church. God bless them. They did as well as they could. Uh, and the, the, my grandmother and my mother began to buy me nice clothes and, and nice suits, nice shirts. And my mamma would iron them and, and I would wear nice ties. And then I got a job at the bank and I looked and what I saw was... Grown men dressed really nice that a young guy like me had to get up on that some. So I started shopping at Backrack. I just didn't buy J.C. Penney. I paid $45 for a tie. I had an umbrella that the wooden handle on it was real, not fake. It was black. I had $250 navy blue black blazers. I had the finest a man could wear. And, it, and, and, and I got props for it when I worked at the bank. 
But I also got this little thing like this that came with a bill every month. And when I got married, I had to look at my wife and said, I am sorry that I'm bringing this into our marriage. But I've got this debt. And I don't make enough to get out of it for 23 years. Here's the money. Can you help me? Have we always been perfect? No, we have not. We've had little cards with debts along the way. But we found out now that (laughs) it's because of this. We didn't put it all on the table. I listened to the wrong counsel. I looked with what my eyes would see instead of what God would tell me was best. Men, you need... Men, I need another man to tell me that it's okay to be like this. That it's, I need another man to help steer me. I'm pretty good now. I've been saved for, what, 27 years now. I'm not saying I'm pretty good. Don't, don't get, I mean about, I know the right things to do. And it seems funny that Aaron would give me this message about giving. It's one of the things that's in my top five gifts if you take a spiritual gift test. How many of you have taken a spiritual gifts test? There's like 23 in there, they tell you. How many of you not have not? Raise your hand. How many of you have not that would like to? Raise your hand. Todd, you took one at our group, didn't you? Were you absent when we took it? Todd was absent. It'll tell you like what your top gifts are. Giving is one of my top five So I was really excited that Aaron gave me this message. But I also, now that I'm on this end of it, about done, I'm thankful. But from the time he gave it to me two months ago till now, I've been cringing. I've I've been doing nothing but studying scripture about it. But I've been cringing because it's the one thing in my life that I know I'm gifted to. I know I'm called to. But that I'm being stingy with. I want. I'm just like many of you men. I want what's mine. My wife has asked me what's wrong. I'm like, it seems like the kids get all your attention. It seems like our free time is based around kids, sports, or their friends, or church stuff. It's always something. I don't get an evening free with you. Or we spend money here and we didn't spend money on me. So I'm in a season in my life, and we all have this, where even one of the greatest things that I take joy in doing, try to get my time for me to come help you or just to get my time. You can't hardly do it now because I have no problem saying no. With most of my Christian life, I've always said yes to the point where it drove me nuts and I was messy, and, you know, that's not healthy either. So I'm just telling you, I'm a brother just like you. I'm your brother to help dial us in, to teach you that, that this is... Let me give you another scripture. Turn to 2 Corinthians 9, if you dare. Verse 6. Truly not taking this out of context. You go back into 8 and you start reading, if you would, today, later today. It's Paul defending the collection. The collection that's going to be taken. He goes pretty... They've promised to give a collection when they come. They've talked about it. They've testified about it. That They laid back money for Paul's sake. And Paul's, Paul's admonishing them that he's sending someone. So let's make it. But look right here. We don't have time to read it all. But here, right here in 6. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he, who's, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. 
And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one as he purposes in his own heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Not just talking about your money. Men, I'll talk to you in your marriage. You just give her a little bit, and you wonder why you only get a little bit back. I'm, I'm that guy. Oh, I know your sports is important, your golfing, your hunting, your freelance, freewheeling across the county, doing what you want, never once wondering what she's doing or what she has need of. Friend, from one friend to the next, the Bible says you need a friend, you be friendly. You need a friend, you be friendly. You need a friend, you be friendly. You need to grow, you help someone grow. Remember the first time Todd Fitzek back there a few years ago asked me to go take a walk and pray with him. I'm like, what? Does he know who I am? He doesn't know me very well. He wants to walk and pray with another man. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> not going to do that. But if you know Todd, and we had already been doing music together and things, it didn't take for me long to kind of like God to hit me and say, I've asked him to ask you that. You need to. So, I swallowed my pride. I took a walk with another man. And we talked. And we prayed. And it was uncomfortable at first, but then later it got easier. And then at times when we didn't even walk together and pray together, our talk was right from the beginning, can always be very open. Very, very open open. Todd was a blessing to bless me, to spend time with me, to pull at me and bring me into that. And for a long time, I, I mean, I needed that. If you look at Todd's life, he hasn't sowed sparingly. He sowed bountifully. And I know more things about Todd other than just spending time with him. I, I know Todd. He has, he has said some things before that just, just has very much been a blessing to me. So I'm not talking just about money, but we can talk just about money. How about Luke 6, 37 through 38? Turn there if you would. This is good for you to do this. You know, I thought we could get through this really fast. What I'm going to do is just put all these scriptures up on the slide and tell you to take a picture of it with your phone and go home and you do your own studies. And we don't even have to go through this. You don't even have to hear me. But I know one thing. I kind of have to say something goofy to get you to remember this day, Luke 6, 37 through 38. And I kind of, you know, there's all these preaching techniques they tell you that keeps people thinking about what you said or, the, you know, do something. So I'm not putting on an act. I am truly just who I am. But Luke 6, 37 through 38. But I know the tendency of many of us, many of us, for those of you that's been running, we've kind of been running together on this version deal. You're going to notice I didn't finish both. I always wonder that. Oh my gosh, I'm opening you version up again, but I'm not doing my Bible plan. Oh, oh, great. Here, first thing this morning, you're not puffed up on mine? Aaron completed plan 23. You know, I'm thinking, of course, sure he did. He's a preacher. He's a pastor. He's got to do that. You know, he's got elders now that watch over him. And when we're on this little group thing together and everybody comments, it's just so sweet to read what everybody comments. 
And I just want to take my rose-colored phone and go, that's why I hate electronics anyways. But I know for many of us, it holds us accountable. It keeps us tracking. It keep, and someone throwed me in on this Big Mac's text. And I would say Donnie's like 701-6614. Oh, sorry. His phone. You're something like that, aren't you? Because I'm a numbers guy. Yeah, yeah. See? I don't even know who this 701-661, whoever he is on this mass text they throw me in on. I'm working during the day. I'm laying by. I use my hands to work with. People don't answer to me. And bloop, 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 bloop. Finally, until I got in there and figured out how to silence all these alerts. But you know what? These guys are being real on this mass text together. They need each other. I probably need it on it too, I guess. I send food pictures. Shows you how <laughs> spiritual I am. <laughs> but when I make a real good sandwich or see a real good meal, I'm just going to tell you, I see the colors of the rainbow. I see the promises of God that He gave us a covenant through the rainbow that He'll never destroy the earth by water again. But I think He's going to destroy it by fire because it teaches that in Revelations. And you notice how windy it's been the past couple years? Well, just a thought. But anyways, Luke 6... <laughs> 30, 37, 38 says this. Man, getting old. Judge not and you shall not be judged. What you said, I thought we are going to talk about giving today. I'm going to tell you something. Just hold on. This is a problem I have. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Given it will be given into you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and run over into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. Boy, I always heard that about money came from a Bible college. They talked about money a lot, you know. They said on your checks, you know where your name's up there, Patrick L. Clevenger, right before Patrick, you're supposed to write, money cometh to. If you ever look at a check, I mean, I worked at the bank for a couple years, I'm sure we all do. If you ever look at a check, you always look at things that are handwritten. You pay very little attention to things that are printed. So if somebody would write up in front of their name, money cometh to, well, they would read it, and they would. it says, money comes, whoever got a hold of my check would read money cometh to patrick clevenger and they're speaking a blessing over your life and i would hear this scripture given it shall be given to you pressed down measured together good shake until it runneth over you know here it says judge not i don't judge you mike don't judge me because i didn't put nothing in the offering plate today last sunday sunday before that because of online giving <laughs> but mike has the right to ask me about that Patrick, let me teach you a lesson I've learned. Because there's a scripture in the Bible that says this. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I acted like a child. I did like a child. But now that I'm old, I put away childish things. I learned that debt and hoarding for myself, it's fine that I have had this shirt for six years. It's fine that I've gained a little weight and I'm pushing on it. That's fine. So don't judge me. I'm not judging you. But the Bible here says one of the ways to be a blessing to someone is not to judge them. How many of you walk around? I mean, I've even thought this. Wonder what they'll think. I, I've condemned not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Let go of unforgiveness. That's a way to be a blessing to someone. I, I, I One thing I do when I when I create relationships over long hauls with people, I say, make for sure of one thing. If we have come to an impasse in our relationship, meaning we've butted heads, something bad has happened, 
when we get to the point that we both say, hey, that's behind us, I forgive you, it's over with me, I do a pretty good job at it being over. Oh, I stumble. In my marriage, I stumble. I'm just like you. Don't lie. Well, I thought that was over with. Ah, I'm sorry, daggone it. I messed up again. But it is very freeing to, to forgive someone and not judge them. Because what does it say if you can do that? It says, for with the same measure that you do it, it'll be measured back to you. Give you another scripture. Proverbs 22, 9. Here's a good one. Growing old is heck while you turn there. Proverbs 22, 9. The other day, and I'll say this and all, just please believe me. I know you won't, but please believe me. I don't like these shirts that fit like this that act like you're showing your arms off. I've just kind of, it seems like they make shirts this way nowadays. I don't have big arms. I never thought so. But the other day, me and the wife were walking somewhere together. You know, the Bible says how to two walk together unless they be agreed. Have you all heard that? Me and me and Julio, if we don't agree on something, it's hard for us to walk together until we get that thing we don't agree on. Agree, you know, even if we agree not to agree. So the other day we're walking together, you know, I don't know, I was kind of walking like this, and she had a hold of my arm like this right here. You know how the ladies, you men like it when they reach under your arm. And she goes, what's happened here? I just went, what's happened here? I just kind of pulled that one deal on her. Well, it's like hair. You men notice how your hair is going away up here? I mean, you notice my face is red. I sat out at the ballgame the other day. I even noticed my hair. I thought, why is my... feels tender up here. It started about two years ago. Why? I've never... What's wrong? And then this stuff would flake like I had dandruff. And I don't have dandruff. I thought, daggone it, I got my head burnt. So yesterday I knew... But muscles are the same as hair. It's terrible what happens. God, it's like God just starts to push back down on that hair. And it comes out where? Our ears. Our nose. More on our eye, eyebrows. It comes out on our back. I just told my wife, I said, well, look. This thing with the muscles, I said, he's pressed it down to here, honey. Because you know the Bible says, out of your belly shall throw rivers of living water. He's getting ready to get me to be a blessing. Some of you may wonder if that's even the truth of that story, but I always thought as long as it makes people laugh and it doesn't harm anybody, take it for what it's worth. <laughs> Proverbs 22.9 says this, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. That means someone, that means someone that truly believes. It says that he gives his bread. Think about that. Where's your bread at? It's on the counter. It's in some kind of a something at your house. I even asked Leah today, should we get a loaf of bread on the way home? We need a box of coffee. But it says blessed. Read that again. Proverbs 22. They feed the poor. Okay, mine says for he gives of, of his bread to the poor. Mine says that. Think about that. It means you're the type of person that doesn't believe, I've got to hold on to what I have. I've got, I've got to hold on to this. Because I may not get enough. 
That kind of person is a person that knows that God, and I'm finally here. I can say I'm finally here. That God is more, is going to more than take care of you. Is going to more. I told Leah a while back, I said, you know what, I've, if you know me, I'll say, man, I just kind of got a wild hair. That usually meant we went off and got on a drunk and wasn't seen for a while from my family. But I told Leah a while back, I said, I'll, or I told a guy, I just kind of got a wild hair. They said, what do you mean? I said, I, just, I think about just not even coming into work next week. And see if they fire me. See what happens. Why? Which, if you know me, I'm kind of like a, I've always said church is soft and it's not necessarily good for men in a lot of ways. This. You have to create better environments than this for men. But uh, what I, it's because finally, it's the way that I could work a double the other day, not even take over. Well, I shouldn't tell you that. Maybe it's against the law. Not take overtime, but agree to have Friday off. I didn't need any extra money. I needed a day off with the family is what I needed. Some guys would be afraid to do that where I work at. Some of them would say, no, I'm going to work the double and I'm going to come in and work on Monday or Friday because their job's scared. Because they don't serve a God who they know they can trust to take care of his children. Look, God is God. He has a kingdom. We are his children. We are his kingdom. It looks bad on a king when he does not take care of his own people. That's not God. God is not man that he would lie. But I can remember Eric, our old pastor, would say, just remember that check that you get every week from your work is from God. I'm like, man, you're crazy. You're a pastor that gets your check from a church. You can see it that way. I work for a company that said A.E. Crace at the time out of Piketon. No, it comes from A.E. Crace. They expect me to be there eight hours a day, five days a week, and work and bring my tools in my back and not my brain. That's what they want from me. It took me years to get over that. I lived in fear. The first ten years of our marriage, I would not go on vacation. Would not because I thought, no, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I, we agreed not to have children. I was afraid to become a dad because I didn't think I knew how to raise children. But when I started watching my brother and Aaron and Rachel and them all have children, I thought, wow, if they can do it. I can do it by God's help. Stay right there in Proverbs. Go back to Proverbs 11. I, I want to end you on some good, good blessing stuff. How many of you, when you get old, getting older, Proverbs eleven twenty four, young guys do this. So when I leave in the morning, I'll have a lunchbox. I got two coffee cups, maybe something else. You open that driver's door, young guy just jump in that driver's door and lay it over on the passenger. Old guy does what? He goes over the passenger door, <laughs> opens the passenger door, sets it down on the seat, and then he walks around. Probably because I've hit my head too many times. And I know I need my hands free for the fall. That's a sign of getting old, man, you know? Or after my group is over, all young, I'm the oldest guy in our group, way older. Everybody's younger than me. I'll make sure I go around there and turn that light on on the end of the house that shines on the steps where they're going down. Young people don't think about lights on the steps, they just hit it, brother. It don't bother them. If I said it once, I said it six times the other day. Be careful in this kitchen. You're going to slip and fall. Young people don't think about slipping and falling. Old people think that way. 
It's terrible growing old. Hey, but the song said, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. Lord, I, you know what? I can't feel at home in this world anymore. This is not our final resting place. You will live a blessed life, a blessed life, a blessed life of every time anything comes to you and you go, this world, that world, this world, that world, this world, that world. Today or eternity. Tomorrow or eternity. Next week, next year, or eternity. It's that simple. It's that simple, man. Proverbs eleven twenty four. I like this. There is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The man and the woman who sows increases even more. There is one who withholds more, but it's right. Well, I could give you a lot more. I've got them here. I've got all these asterisks in front. Let's turn to Galatians 6.10. I'll leave it on that one. Because I want you to think about today and tomorrow. Galatians 6.10. So talking about me in a season where I struggle about being a blessing, we're giving... We're giving, it's hard to talk. See, it's hard to talk and do the same thing. It's hard to talk and do something for me. Sign a little bit of age plus a good blow to the head. I had a concussion a few years ago. I start six. Six, six, Galatians six, six. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his own flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the, of the household of faith. Not one per, in God's eyes, not one person in this place should suffer. Or even we'll count the ones on vacation today and give them, an, you know what I mean? For everyone that calls this place their home, not one of us should suffer. I want to say I've been blessed, very blessed to be around great stories. Not just stories, great experiences knowing someone has blessed another in this body. Very blessed. If you ask me why I'm a blessed man, it's not because I live on two Ridgeway or we have nice cars or I don't, I don't, I don't know what else I could tell you other than where I, that I have beautiful kids and a beautiful wife. But I'm blessed because in life I can share, I live life through Christ and God my Father. And the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of me to lead me into every area. But I've been blessed to be around people who are great blessings. So I've told you that it's been a struggle. This scripture, 6-6, six, six, talking about if you sow to the flesh, you reap of the flesh. You sow to the Spirit, you reap the Spirit. I want to say this. So in this season where I've struggled with giving, where I'm really happy to say no to helping people, 
About the only thing I say yes to is job and family services and helping children that need parents for a period of time. Everything else I can say no, and it doesn't bother me. And that didn't used to be me. But I need to be careful because am I sowing to my flesh? Or am I sowing to the Spirit, meaning God, that He wants my, he wants my uh, uh, focus to be right there in that one area for now in life? Because this, because if I'm sowing to my flesh, and then I, for some reason, have to cry out, God, help me. God, do this. God, why don't you do this? God, why am I here? Well, Patrick, you have sowed to your flesh a whole lot. Get back. Don't you touch my stuff. You know how hard I work for this. You would dare ask me to give my time to someone or to give my resources. But God, I need you to. We either live in God's house or we don't. We're either prodigal and we're running or we live on the farm. One of the two. Are you saying, that's just it. That's all I need to say. So in this time of me struggling with giving, I still have a heart to know and to ask God, God, I could be in sin. If I am, let me know. I'm very hard on myself. I think a lot of us can be, but I can be. So I've asked God, God, you know that I'm saying no to this stuff, no to this, won't do this, not going to do this, but I love you above all else. And I am your child, and I would not be here today if it was not for you. So I cannot be a fool and be mistaken that I can run life my own way. Because when something crashes and I cry out to you and you're not there, I'll be wondering why you're not. So God, I want to tell you, I'm in this struggle And I've even told people, I told Derek the other day, I'm stingy. I told my wife a couple times lately, I'm stingy right now. But I'm honest about it. It's my struggle. But then a while back, a couple months ago, God gave me a dream. I don't live off dreams. I'm not that, you know, that kind of person. But I know God can. And he gave me this dream. I was in the country at a... At a kind of broken down building that I knew it housed children. I could hear the sound of children. There was a whole broken fence going up over the hill. You couldn't really see to the right or left. I was over a dip, and I remember the hill went up like that. But I was at this school-like place wondering, why am I here? And I just knew that there were children there. I knew to expect children coming. And for many of you that know, my youngest son, you knew that we fostered him from the time he was born. And uh, we got to adopt him around two years old. Uh, what a blessing. I, I am a blessed man. For those of you that have fostered and adopted, you are blessed people. That you got a child that was not yours and trusted to you for a period of time that you were able to pray over, to love. And yes, you better give everything to them you can. Everything. You don't hold back. You treat them as well or better than your own children. And yes, they may leave you. And yes, it hurts. But it hurt God when He sent Jesus from heaven to be a sacrifice. But in that dream, I just knew there were children coming. I knew the sound of children just playing behind me. And I thought, what am I doing here? And the next thing I know, there's my son Benjamin in front of me, but not as my son. I don't know why. There's a family here at this church that dropped him off. And, and I think God showed me them. I'll say it, Tosh. It was you and uh, Derek. 
I didn't see you. I just knew you dropped him off. He wasn't like he was my son. It was like the history of him I knew. And it was like the history of the raps that I knew. And I just thought, ah, I thought, look at him, he's wet. I thought, why'd they, why'd they drop him off in this kind of a mess? I thought, well, I know him. He could have got into something. I thought, no, it's mud. It's mud all over him. I thought, what's wrong with him? And then he tried to talk, and he couldn't talk from mud stuck inside of him. And I began, I thought, well, somebody's got to help him. He can't talk. He's choking. And it was just like, as soon as I stepped to start taking care of him, it was over. And God said, someone needs to care for these children. Do it. And I felt like nobody was there but me. It was nothing against Derek and Tasha. It was just the fact that I knew these kids come from rough backgrounds. Your previous life, Tosh. You know that. And you know what that did? It gave me a knowing from my Heavenly Father that, Patrick, you can be... You go on and be stingy where you think, I don't know if he's saying that, but the one place he told me, don't you give up on, is this. Don't you give up on this. I ask you today, what have you been stingy with? Where, where are you stingy with being a blessing to your immediate family? To the family of God. One of these scriptures in here, it's in the New Testament. Maybe it was in Peter. It said, if any speak. If any serve. And I thought, wow, this poor soul's been a church leader. Because he knows there's that if they do, if they do. Local church should not suffer for need. Right here, this, this house should not suffer. This house should not suffer. Let me tell you this also. Your home, your house may suffer something. It may suffer broken marriage. It may suffer financial. It may suffer death or loss. But let me tell you, what's right in God's house will not suffer. Meaning, you live in God's house there. You'll still have those things, but He give you the strength to get through them. Why have you been stingy with? Where? Count your blessings. Name them one by one. We used to teach kids, count your many blessings, see what God has done. So the next time we go to grumble and complain or be cynical like the rest of the world, maybe we'll step back and we'll just count our blessings. Maybe we'll realize that uh, the whole song title said, we're in this world together. Stand if you would. If you don't think you're a blessing, you are. There's something God has given to you, gifted you with. I had it in here, the gifts. I didn't want to go through all those gifts. That's probably time for another teaching, but. If you don't think you're a blessing, you are. If you don't haven't seen where God can use you that way, he can show you. If you don't have close Christian friends to be a soundboard with, you need some. If you don't attend a small group, I'm, that's not a plug because I'm a small group leader. I'm just here to tell you I didn't like it at first either for years. I didn't like it. You need to be. It needs to be steady. I'm not saying you can't take a week off. I'm just telling you. 
God has blessed you to bless someone else. You want to know what you're called to? You're called to be a blessing. You are called to be a blessing. And you will not find true living, you will not find true life in Christ until you, Romans 12, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's another scripture in here I was going to read. said, unless a man lose his life, he shall not find it. Because in times of my struggle and my craziness or when I have a tough day or a tough situation, if I can just die, die for a while and just know that God's going to do what's best, even through hardship, I begin to live because I begin to let go of that worry, that fret, and that's where God wants you to be. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.